0: To the SLP Corner Podcast. So this week I'm going to be diving into kind of like a Q&A. It's a solo episode. You guys seem to really like the culmination of guests and solo episodes. So I figured my new year resolution was to do more solo episodes. I feel like it's often so much easier to do the episodes with guests because I set a date, I stick to that date, and then I'm able to kind of keep it organized like that. But when it's on me, like It is literally Sunday before this is supposed to be released tomorrow on Monday, so this is why solo episodes are harder for me, but I was able to get your guys' questions in like a week ago on any SLP-related questions you're wanting to know more about, and I figured this would be a good platform to kind of share it in a place where you can hear it, come back to it. It's not like stories where it disappears or it's only in highlights for so long, so I'm going to dive into that soon. I'm just gonna try to answer them as honestly as I would to a friend or a classmate or a coworker or anything like that. So I hope that's helpful for you guys. It's just, once again, just my opinion and my experiences. So other people might have different experiences and different um, opinions on these questions. But this is just where I'm coming from. So before I get to that, just a friendly reminder that it would really mean a lot to me if you could rate and review the podcast. Um, it helps a lot with the podcast and, uh, yeah, it would just make me really happy if you could do that. Okay. So I'm just going to dive right in. All right. One of the first questions was studying for the praxis. Where do I start? Someone said, I literally just want to cry. And I got quite a few questions about the praxis. So normally I actually wouldn't be too helpful on this topic because it's not, typical that a canadian would write the praxis because that's an american slp exam but um and for anyone listening like if you're unfamiliar with the praxis it's the national exam that you have to write um to be certified to practice and it used to be for the states but now it's also um it we can write it for canadian slps which is kind of funny because we've had a lot of like kind of chaos with the national exam for canada and it was like changed and then like one governing body was gonna let us write it and then not and there was all these things with COVID and it was just kind of a disaster and then um, me and some of my classmates were like you know what we'll just write the praxis at least we're gonna be studying for an exam it's not too expensive to write and then a month after we got a results we all found out we passed we found out that actually we could um, use that to practice in the in Canada as well so that was like the best news ever for me this fall. But um, so studying for the practice, where do I start? So, what I did was, I actually won a giveaway from oh my gosh, what is it? I'll put it in the link in my bio. Um, I forget the name now, but just check the link in my not the link in my bio, the link in the podcast description. If you just check literally right now, it'll be there. I'll put it there after this. But I won this um, little study guide from um, one of uh, like a SLP instagrammer and that was super helpful so I think she's selling it on teachers pay teachers so I would definitely get that and then another thing I did was I just got the advanced review textbook and basically I wrote it mid-august and I tried to start studying for a couple hours a day starting in June so it was like two full months and I did a practice test about once a week maybe two practice tests a week I think looking back the most helpful were the little quizzes in the advanced review textbook, and then doing tests as many times a week as I could because the tests were I think the most helpful and I did like mediocre on the tests, um the practice tests, and then I did above average on the actual tests. So I found the practice like shockingly I don't want to say easy, but just like you'd think for a national exam would be a lot harder, and I just had like these crazy expectations that it would be so hard. but everyone always says it's like not that bad. And it really honestly wasn't. So yeah, for me, like two and a half months, um, couple hours a day, I would try to do it that way. I remember asking, um, an SLP when I was in grad school, like how much should I study for the national exam? And they were like, honestly, the best thing you can do is start studying earlier and only do a couple hours a day versus trying to cram for it. Cause it actually is a lot of information. I think that's where they get you. It's like the questions aren't that hard, but like knowing every area of SLP that is just kind of that's just a lot so um yeah I would use the advanced review textbook and then I would use the the little study guide that I'm going to post in my the description of this podcast for you and I think that that'll be that'll be good okay next question so um I have a lot of questions about applying to CFs and unfortunately I never had to apply to a CF because in Canada we don't do a CF year So a CF year for anyone who's not unfamiliar, that's like a clinical fellowship year where once you finish your program in the States, you need to do one more year where there's like some supervision hours and things like that. And I think you usually don't get paid as much. Um, I think it's for about a year. Um, So some people said like, when did you start applying for your CF? Um, I take my practice in a month and other people were like, when when should I do it? How big of a deal is it for where you want to work after and all this stuff? So I don't know. So I would actually recommend you ask Speech with Rage or Thanks Morris, probably. They would probably know that. That's who I would refer you to. However, I can let you know about, like, for applying to your first job, when you should do that when you're in grad school. Um, So I finished my program in July, the beginning of July, and I applied to my first, I started to apply to jobs a month before. I don't know if that's late or early or whatever. It worked out for me. I got hired before. um, I got hired before my. um, But you know what? Now I'm thinking about it because. okay, so I did get hired before we finished, but technically I had a lot more time on my hands because of COVID and our placements were canceled, so. I don't even know, like technically, I guess I actually applied when I should have been in placement. So I'm not really sure how that would look if you're in school, like it might be way busier to be applying to jobs, but I mean, I I don't know, like I'd start looking and like organizing your resume and everything before you finish probably. But honestly, if not, there's so many jobs, at least in Canada, um, there's just lots of jobs for SLPs here. So I wasn't overly worried, but it did feel really good to secure a job. So yeah, I don't know. Like <laughs> I probably didn't even answer that question. Um, I always say sooner the better just start, get it started start sending out resumes start putting feelers out there for where there are jobs and who's hiring and all that um, you can ask your CEs as well your clinical educators if they know of anything okay um, actually one more note on that one thing to consider is that a lot of times you actually get hired at your last placement so I wouldn't like be too eager because you might love your last placement and then you might want to work there and so I would keep that open Okay, so I actually got a lot of questions, like how to pick the right grad school for myself. How did you choose your grad school? There's so many and they're so similar when what they offer, how did you choose, how did you choose? I'm going to be so honest with you guys. I don't think I went to the best grad school in Canada. This is very subjective, obviously, and some people might say, oh my God, UBC is like the best grad school. I don't think so. I didn't have like an incredible experience learning wise. there's actually, so I was actually wanting, okay, I wanted to go to Western and I got into Western um, and I really wanted to go to Western and you know why I ended up choosing UBC location. I didn't choose it based off of the program at all because I, I really liked Western's program a lot better and I didn't choose Western even though I got in. I love Vancouver. Vancouver is my favorite. Thing. Like, I just love it. If you follow me on Instagram, then you'll see that, like, I'm always skiing and hiking and doing all those things. And I just wouldn't be able to do that um, in London, Ontario, where Western's located. So I don't know. If that's like, a good, like, I don't know. I feel like they're all, uh, even the questions she said, like, so many are so similar in what they offer. And they are like, I compared one thing I did do was compared placements to see like which one had the most clinical experience. Cause I figured that would be really important to me. And honestly, they're all so similar. At the end of the day, I would just go with where you either want to live for a little while. Like, it's kind of fun when you're young to go somewhere new. Um, or if you're living somewhere already, like I did undergrad here and I just could not leave, then don't. I would just stay where it's working for you. Or if you really want to try out a new city, I'd go there. Like, I wouldn't really base it off of, like, a pro. That's probably not great advice. Eh, I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. That's. I don't regret it at all. Well, sometimes I'm like, oh man, it would have been nice to go to Western. They probably have a better program. But like at the end of the day, I got a job I love and I think I'm doing all right at it. So yeah, that's uh. <laughs> once again, it's just like <laughs> my opinions. Um, and if I was talking to a friend, that's what I would tell you to do. Okay. So someone said, is it manageable to work as Uh, part-time SLPA while being full-time grad student. Um, and actually I did get this question in different ways quite a few times. People are wondering, can you work while you're in grad school? And this is my answer. They, uh, then once again, this is very like specific to my experience because other grad schools might be busier or whatever. I, we were told so many times, it's so busy. It's so busy. You'll never have time to work. You'll never have time to work. i Did not think this was true. I ended up launching SLP Corner, I think, second year and was doing that. I was writing blog posts every single day. I ended up launching the podcast. I worked as um, a nanny casually. I I had another job, too, and I can't remember. I nannied. Maybe it was two kids. Um, No, you can definitely work. Like, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I'm also someone who's not, like, I don't know. In undergrad, I tried really, really hard, like, so... So hard to get good marks, and then when I got into my master's program, I was like, eh, good enough is good enough. Like, I'd rather have a balanced life, and I'd rather have like hobbies and do fun things outside of school. So, I guess it kind of just depends. Like, if you're feeling really, really overwhelmed and really stressed out, I probably wouldn't get a job. But at the same time, like, one of my friends worked. I almost like it wasn't full time, but she worked. So so much at this like bar and restaurant and she was able to make a lot of money and work there and I like I don't think she regrets it at all and I know a lot of my friends worked as behavioral interventionists or SLPAs and like you can make it work like think about it this way so many kids are not kids so many people are in that program and they literally have kids like if they can have kids that's a full-time job in itself then you probably can manage a job but if um I don't know it's like if your stress is all coming from money maybe that would be a really good idea but if you're so stressed about school and money is not like the end of the world at this moment maybe don't sometimes it can be nice to just focus on school and not have a job it's really up to you um personally I worked like part-time nannying because I just love nannying it's very like therapeutic for me and I thought it was completely manageable I yeah okay um let's see here okay more okay were there older students in your grad program who were changing careers late 30s 40s yes there were there were like three or four four maybe and they all sat together in the back of the class and they were like this little crew and it was funny um they're all like so awesome and so nice and um yeah I don't know like if they were changing careers I think some were teachers and they switched and I think some just kind of like had other jobs that weren't like a full career and then ended up getting into speech pathology, I think. But yeah, there's always going to be some like I think there were two with kids Um, and then two ended up having kids right after they finished. So, yeah, like I don't know, like if you're older and you're wanting to get into the program, I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't feel like, oh, like I'm going to be the only older student. You won't be like, there's lots of people who end up switching careers in every field, like medicine, um, you know, OT, PT, all that. There's always going to be people who switched it up and they ended up coming later. But, uh, yeah, there was like four of them. They all sat together and they all seemed to have a really good time and they were all just really nice and they were like our parents. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, okay. We did studying, we did applying to jobs. Okay. How to pay for grad school right after graduating undergrad. Okay. Um This is really hard because it's just like I don't even know where to begin to answer this question because some people have like crazy big student loans and some people have like much smaller ones and then some people have a job where they're able to pay right away start making payments and the other people like they're just check to check. So it just depends so much on your situation. And another person I'd actually refer you to in this situation would be speech with rage because, um, I don't have a lot to share in that area. I think that speech with rage would be helpful because I know she talks a lot about this and she talked a lot about how her first job, it was really hard to deal with these types of things and deal with the payments and everything. So I would reach out to her. Okay. (sighs) jobs I should be looking for while in grad school, speech-related or just any that hire. Okay, so if you're in grad school, I would do any that hire, probably, because for what people are going to look at when they're hiring you out of grad school is probably your placements. They want to see your experiences in SLP at that point, and that's probably going to be a little bit more, I don't know, more of a draw. Um, If you're an undergrad, though, I wouldn't do any of that higher. I would definitely do speech related. So in undergrad I did, um, I nannied for a baby that was ex premature. So um, it was like a little different than just nannying. And I also was a behavioral interventionist. I worked at a down syndrome research foundation. And then like, I did work at a restaurant and I did like work as a brand master and things like that. But I never actually, I never put those on my resume cause I thought they were irrelevant. Obviously, they're not like, yeah, you learn things, whatever, but like you don't want a really long resume You want it to be probably like two pages and I just deleted those. So yeah I mean if you're an undergrad, I would probably try to find something speech related and if you are in your masters My personal opinion any that higher like I was a nanny for just some toddler totally typically developing toddler Everything was fine there and I just wanted to get some extra money on the side. So yeah Okay Um, most SLP SLPs plus profs aren't taking volunteers because of COVID. Do you have any suggestions to get experience? Oh my God. I feel so bad for anyone dealing with this because that would stress me out so much. Um, okay. First of all, just remember that everyone's going to take that into consideration. So this is something that they will be aware of when they're looking at your applications. Okay. That's your first thing. Second of all, I would do things like even blogging and things like that, like showing that you have an interest in the field and like that side of things could be kind of interesting to look into doing and showing that you're um, learning more and you're extending your learning and, and and everything that way. Um, Okay. One thing is that I've been getting a lot of emails, not emails like DMS for people to shadow my teletherapy sessions. So why don't you try that? I'm not doing that right now because I, I'm, a new SLP and I, my clients are all relatively new and um, I just don't feel comfortable offering that right now, would just be a lot to deal with. And um, I don't pay for zoom to have th- more than <laughs> more than two. That's like the real, <laughs> the real reason is I don't pay for zoom to have more than two people. So I can't go past the 40 minute mark if I have more than two people in my zoom anyways. Um, I would just reach out and ask to shadow zoom sessions or like I know some clinics like we have volunteers that are prepping things and helping us with our materials and all of that and they're wanting to be SLPs and they're doing it that way so I would just try to figure out which clinics are open and um try to get some shadowing experience I wonder if I have any other ideas for you like one thing you can try to do sorry I forgot to turn the volume off my phone one thing you can try to do is um look for, like, nannying jobs and things like that and try to get it with a child who maybe is a little bit more... um, They don't even need to have special needs, just maybe a speech delay or anything like that. Anything where you can try to make it seem like it was more speechy related, which it often can be, that could be good. But, um, yeah, if anyone else has any other... If anyone has any ideas at all about anything I'm saying... Please share it and I'll feel I will love to share. Even if your opinion's different than mine, that's totally cool. I'll share it on my story. So if you if you have anything else that you're like it's so annoying when you're listening to a podcast and you're like, you don't agree with someone and you're just like going crazy because you're like, oh my god, I don't agree with what you're saying, or like, oh my god, you're wrong. So feel free to correct me. I truly just want to like give the information that's accurate and helpful. So yeah, let me know. Okay. Alright, I'm gonna start wrapping it up soon because Lots of the questions are the same. Let me check. Oh, how do you get letters of, how do you get letters of reference ask your profs without working in their lab? Okay. Um, this isn't that bad. Like I, so I got one, so I think I only needed two from you for UBC and I got one from a prof that I worked in her lab and then I was also in her class and then another from just class. Basically if try to take more than one class with them, that's my advice. If you can't get into their lab, just take as many classes as you can minimum two Go to their office hours. That is so key. I would literally put office hours into my schedule as if it was a class. Like I would go every single week and I would make sure that they knew me and make sure you have a backup because if a prof goes on mat leave or a prof switches universities or something weird happens, you want to make sure there's more than one prof that you were like really um, like making that relationship with. So yeah, what I would do is, um, just make sure you're in office hours, make sure you didn't try to do well in their class. Obviously you want to ask for a letter if like you did well, like if you didn't do well, like choose a different prof because what are they going to say? Like that's too risky. Um, but I would try to get into their lab, like try, even if it's not a prof you initially wanted to, but you could get into a different prof's lab, like go with the prof that you can do the experience with, but otherwise it's fine. Like I, I didn't, I literally volunteered at one lab and otherwise I, I got it from um, just a regular prof who knew me from going to office hours in class. And I think that's totally reasonable. Um, yeah. One thing that I will say about getting letters of reference is make sure you ask them very much like in advance. I asked over a year in advance, I think. So that's my main advice because, um, they just get so many requests and you want to make sure you nail that down before. And so they don't say, oh, sorry, I already like have so many and we'll be able to if that's really upsetting. Okay, let's see. Do I have any other questions that are uh, unique? Mm. No, I think that's everything. Okay, I'll leave you guys with this. Everyone who's stressed about applying to CFs, applying to their first job, like applying to grad school, writing the praxis, I was there. It's really upsetting at the time, but you will get through it one day at a time. Just remember, like, it is manageable. Just try your best. At the end of the day, all you can do is your best. That's what my mom always told me, and I find it very comforting. Just try your best and then let it go. Okay? Like... You can always try again. You can always try to do something different the next time. But really, at the end of the day, all you can do is your best. The fact that you guys are even sending these questions in, you clearly care so much. And you are clearly very motivated individuals. So just, you got this, you guys. (laughs) I wish I could give everyone just, like, a hug. And we could all just, you know, I can feel the stress in some of those messages. Like, it brings me back, like, talking about the praxis and everything. Like, I get it. And it's going to be okay. And it gets better. Like, honestly, work is where it's at. Work is the best. I love work compared to school and studying. I'm so happy that I never have to study for another exam. You have no idea the joy that brings me. So just you will get through it and just think like one less exam I have to study for, one less application I have to write. Like you got this, you guys. Okay. With that, I will see you all next Monday and I hope you have an awesome week.